Welcome to the 517 Life Podcast. I'm Tracy Lee, joined by Heather May and Carrie Puckett. Our guest today is not only a dancer who taught dance for many years, she is now on staff at the Exchange Church as an administrative assistant and environment coordinator and mentors women of all ages to pursue Jesus more fully. We talk about what it was like for her to follow her dreams and become an entrepreneur while juggling a family, caring for her mother in the last few years of her life, and how to know the will of God. Lean in for this conversation with the one and only Jerry McKnight. Hey, Jerry. So good to see you. We're so glad you're here with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I hardly know where to start. (laughs) How much time do we have? (laughs) Dance was my love from the time I was a small child. Before I had ever seen anyone dance professionally, I wanted to dance. So uh, I never danced professionally. Came close, but never had that was able to follow through on that. I taught for many, many years, and that almost turned into a ministry for me because I was able to um, incorporate so much in the teaching of these young girls. Uh, Years of learning and growing for me in so many, many ways. It was wonderful. But I never thought of going into ministry of any kind. I always wanted to use any talent God had given me in the way he wanted me to use it. And of course, the definition of dance is to fill space with movement. And that's what I did all the time. (laughs) Never walked on my feet, tiptoes all the time, you know, that (laughs) kind of thing. Did you take dance lessons as a child? As a child in Noxipater, Mississippi, (laughs) where I lived until I was about eight years old, there was no dance teacher. When I moved to Decatur, there was a girl there who taught some, and I was able to take some lessons. Most of it I got as I was a little older. I knew from an early age that's what I wanted to do, and I danced. Then I found out that baton twirling and being a majorette could come really, really close. So that's what I went after. And I actually, would you believe it, taught Twirling lessons for 10 cents, 30-minute lesson for 10 cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I got rich on that. But at that time, that was big money yeah. to me, you know. <laughs> but um, as every time I would learn something, then I could teach somebody else. So I didn't see why I shouldn't do that. Yeah. And so I did. But um, so I was the first drum majorette of the first junior high band indicator mississippi and we had a band of course it was quite small but it was fun because we were all learning including the band director who was a very young person she was really really good but she was young we were her first band (laughs) this question also relates to dance but it also kind of leads into uh, our lives with christ so something that i have noticed and i wonder if this is true for you too is that i'm not a dancer I'm not. I mean, I have an arts background from theater and singing and piano and all that. Oh, but dance was never one of the you things right. that I did. I curse my parents for it. <laughs> no, I don't curse my parents for it. But no. but I'm like, why didn't they put me in dance? Because then I would have been a triple threat. No, you would have <laughs> been, been the whole package. But right. I think that my favorite form of worship is dance oh, yeah. because 
I was not trained in it. And therefore, when I'm doing it, I'm not thinking about the technique or the The performance aspect of it. it. So maybe you had some of the more technique Mm -hmm. stuff that I didn't have. But do you feel like dance can be a form of worship? Of course it is. To me, it has always been, especially some free form of dance, such as modern dance, which is very much like ballet, but a lot freer. It's done barefooted. So you can feel the floor with your toes. (laughs) But to me, I understand exactly what you're saying, Carrie, because um, sometimes when music comes on, I'm dancing in my mind. If I'm in a position where I can't actually get up and dance or it would be a little awkward. Yeah, it is definitely a form of worship. You're using every part of everything that God has given you. Your mind, your body, your soul. Dancing is just good for the soul. So dance was, I guess it wasn't a specific moment, but that was a defining part of your life. What were some other defining moments in your life and how your defining moments kind of brought you to Jesus? It doesn't just have to be like your testimony, but just Mm -hmm. some things you've experienced that were hard or uh, that you would like to share with us today. Just the other day, I was thinking how very, very blessed I am to have been born with the glass half full. That has always been my heart. From I, I can't remember ever being any other way. I always see the good in people. I always see the bright side of things. And it has nothing to do with me. It's just that God made me like that. And for some reason, from my earliest memories, I've always felt drawn to the light. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I Mm -hmm. felt drawn to goodness, to something bigger than me, even before I understood who Jesus was. But when I was six years old, and I knew who Jesus was, and I gave my life to Christ because I wanted more than anything in the world to belong to him. I was not brought up in a family that took me to church, but I went to church. They would drop me off. So I... I, I was there, and I, I would hear these sermons, and I would hear, the, of course, the Sunday school and vacation Bible school, and it was all so dear to me. It was just, it was almost like, um, it wasn't even like it was special. It was like it was who I was. That's That's what I needed in my life, to be a part of my life. So, you know, we've heard Pastor Bryant say that, Uh, he was in church nine months before he was born. Mm -hmm. So he just kind of, he was born into it. Of course, he had to make that decision then to to give his heart to Christ at some point. But the verse that says, you knew me in my mother's womb, I I feel that way. I've always felt that way. So... um, as far as things that defining moments in my life, there have been so many. And and to be honest, 
some good, some bad. I would have to say that there are some I never, ever talk about. The only time I have ever talked about it, maybe once or twice, and then only because I felt that it would make a difference in somebody's life to hear it. Otherwise, I don't go down those roads. But when my mother was 86 years old, she had a stroke. And um, she was in the hospital for six weeks. My sister was in no position to care for her, nor was my brother. My sister lived so far away. Uh, my my brother was a pilot on call and flying every, all across the, the United States. So I could not think about a nursing home, so I took her home with me. And for three years, I was my mom's primary caregiver. And that was not a defining moment. It was a defining time in my life. I wanted more than anything, my goal when I took her home with me was simply to make sure my mother felt safe and secure and as happy and peaceful as possible in her last years. So looking back, I can have no regrets from what all went on during that time, but yet I have regrets. The only regrets are I didn't spend enough time sitting on the floor in front of her chair, which I love to do. I I would try to, when I left the house and came back, I would go straight to her room to tell her where I'd been, what I'd done, who I'd seen, and what they said, and what they had on, and who wore this to the wedding, and who did this at the wedding, and who sang, and, you know, just all of those things. But just sitting on the floor in front of her, lift chair she had um just spending that time that you know I was trying to run two businesses and and so and and that's it's nice it it was a reason that I didn't spend that time but it feels like an excuse you know Mm -hmm. looking back on it I I think I regret that for me more than anything it's a weird place when you get to that point in your life where, as a child, you become a caregiver oh, to your yes. parents. Um, my grandmother got sick, and because half of our family lives in another state, I, I was took on the role of more like a child and having to care for my grandmother oh, and just yeah. remembering how difficult that was to try to be the person in charge with my grandmother in her 90s who had raised me and I had so much respect for her and it's such a weird nobody talks about that transition in life and it's how hard that is when you have to become the one that is still trying to be respectful because they're your elder but you are in charge and and to help them continue to have that dignity right Right. Absolutely. It is so hard. It's difficult because your life continues on. Like you said, you two businesses, you're doing what you're doing. Your life doesn't stop. But now you have this new thing that you have to go into. That is is actually the most important. It is the most important thing. And it's so hard because you don't know what you're doing and you don't know if you're doing it right. And you don't know if you've just screwed up everything (laughs) that's been in your life. And sometimes you do. I know. Yes. (laughs) And, And it was 
it it's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you feel that way too. Yeah, yeah. There were times the the house we lived in was set up perfectly. The Lord knew exactly what He was doing when I moved into this house, because it had a a back bedroom that had windows all along one side, and she could look out in the backyard and watch me plant things and tap on the window to say, no, move that over <laughs> one inch, and and which she did, and, and she was right, of course. But um, she loved the outdoors, loved the outdoors, loved birds, nature mm-hmm. of any kind, so it was just good that she could see that. But also... There was a hallway when you came out of her room, and, and there was a bathroom attached to that bedroom, even though it was not the master, so it, it worked out great. But when I left her room and came up the hallway, you did a 90-degree turn to the right, continued up the hall into the den, and then into the kitchen. And every night at 10 o'clock, she had to have her juice, her little glass of juice, just before she went to bed. I always went to bed at the same time every night. So I would always, whatever I was doing, I would stop and get Mom her juice and take it down the hall and go in, and she would drink it. It was just a small Mm -hmm. glass. She would drink it and hand me the glass back, and then I would help her into bed and make sure she was settled for the night, tuck her in, kiss her goodnight. But... There were sometimes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, <laughs> that she wanted the glass with the pears on it. And I had put it in the wrong glass. Yeah. And I was extremely tired. And I, mm, so I would leave her room with a forced smile on her face. I'll be back in a minute, Mom. And start up the... And when I turned that corner, I literally cried out to God for help. Yes. This sounds just like parenting. (laughs) Yes. Small children. I'm just relating with this story, although I've never cared for my parents. But, yeah. Got to be the right thing at the right time. Exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned this as a defining moment. And you also said it was hard. Of course, there were some joys, but when we yeah. have those seasons that we go through that are difficult, there are always things that we learn. And, and if we let him, God always teaches us things through that. What would you say that is something or some things that you learned during that season that maybe God showed you? Well, one of the things, of course, is, you know, I've always been short on patience. Now, that sounds strange because all the time I was teaching dance, I had all the patience in the world for a three-year-old or an 18-year-old who was just simply in a bad mood or whatever, as long as they were trying. I had all the patience in the world. With my mom, I literally had to learn patience every day in every way, whether it was putting on a pair of socks and she could do it herself. And aren't we all like that, though? We can show the patience at work, but then with our people, (laughs) (laughs) when we're, you know, comfy and at home, it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. I've always said that's because we know there's forgiveness there with people that love us. Oh, man. And that's why. (laughs) You know, you're right. There's always grace. Always there's grace. But, But when you are dealing with an elderly person or a child, uh 
they don't have they're not on that same page mm-hmm. of grace and, mm-hmm. and and showing that forgiveness or whatever maybe sometimes <laughs> but um i did learn a lot of I, my patience was tried every single day mm-hmm. and i learned to breathe through it to mm-hmm. pray through it to and i mean there's no way this person could have done what I did with and for my mother for those three years mm-hmm. without my Heavenly Father just holding me up and holding me in place to do that. And I feel like I had been brought to that place. There were things in my life that had prepared me for it. But the main reason that I went through that with her rather than finding a home, doing the nursing home, whatever, um, is simply because I couldn't do anything else. That, mm-hmm. You know, I just, I couldn't. I, I just couldn't. I could not even think about it. So, um, it, but it was a, a learning, growing experience. It was a time of um, dealing with outside external things too during that like such as family members Mm -hmm. Uh, my brother my sister their loving support they didn't live in it they weren't there day after day but just that support you're nodding Mm -hmm. you know what I mean don't you Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so uh, just just the fact that my sister would call my mom every Sunday night and they would talk on the phone for a long time and 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 so I knew that my sister had to stop what she was doing and make it a point to call. And so she had to show patience and because my mom could not hear. She just could not hear on the phone. And, and so that was a real trial, just talking on the phone. She had to repeat everything three times, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were many times with my mom, especially right after she moved in with me, um, that I w- we we did charades oh, yeah. because <laughs> she could not say words. She would say, hand me that blue bird, and she meant hand me a Kleenex. <laughs> or, you know, her words yeah. would not come out right. Yeah. And uh, so, and we would just laugh. We would just laugh about it. We'd always make a, a big joke out of We made a joke out of so many things, but way better to laugh than cry, right? But... um she would, I'd say, now, Mom, I have to run by Walmart. Is there anything you think can think of that you need? Most of the time I knew what she needed, but I thought she might like something different. And and she would, she would pantomime things like she loved oil of Olay, and I still can't smell it without thinking about her. Oh. But she would, she couldn't think of what it was, so she would mimic uh rubbing pouring something on her hands and rubbing it together and then rubbing it on her Mm -hmm. face and i would be like all of (laughs) that and she was like yes (laughs) so we just turned it into a a a fun thing yeah yeah Yeah, so part of that glass half full thing well (laughs) yeah yeah you know so it was just so it kind of turned into some of the fun but um you told me a story about your mom once about her love for God's word. I don't oh, know if you would yeah. be willing to share that story, but it stuck with me. I don't remember how many years ago that you had shared that, but it really stuck with me as something maybe that you had learned from her in those last 
years. Well, do you know, I never remember seeing my mom read the Bible when I was growing up. Never, ever. Now, I saw my dad uh, read it, but not my mom. And uh, maybe it was because she was always in the kitchen. I don't know. (laughs) But that's part of it, I'm sure. After her stroke, she could not read. She couldn't comprehend the words. But I remember going in her room one day, and she had her Bible in her lap. And and I said, oh, have you been reading? And she said, I'm just looking at it. And I thought, okay, well, let's read. So, you know, there were times I would just sit and and read to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she got letters from a good friend, an old, old friend, and I would read those letters to her, and then we'd put them in her Bible. That's where she kept them. So, but there came a time when we had a conversation about, um, she said, I've just been thinking, do do you really think that Daddy's going to be waiting for me when I get to heaven? And uh, she said, and how soon can I get to heaven after I die? And she'd already told me she was not afraid of death. She was afraid of pain, but not afraid of death. That was, you know. And uh, and I said, well, what? There was, there was a particular pastor that she um, just had had a connection with. And, and I said, why don't I call Brother Ford and ask him to just stop by and see you one afternoon? And y'all can just talk about those things. And she said, okay. Yeah, she really brightened up when I said that. So sure enough, I called him, and he came rather quickly in just a few days. And uh, I left them to just talk. I didn't stay. You know, I just wanted her to be able to just really talk with him. And after that, she she seemed like just at a lot more peace. And we talked about it a little, you know, about, and she said, yeah, I think I think Daddy will be waiting for me here, and that's what she called my dad. She called him Daddy mm-hmm. to us, you know, and um, she said he's going to be waiting for me. I said, okay, good. Yeah, that's what I think too, you know, and just think just things like that. But it was almost like the Bible itself, which I now understand. I didn't at the time, but the Bible itself has power. Just holding it in your hands. Because there truly have been times I have slept with my Bible. Mm-hmm. It gave me peace. So I remember a conversation that we had one time that has stuck with me. Okay, so, wait a minute. Y'all keep bringing up these conversations we've had. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you what you said. Okay, tell me what I said. And tell you it meant a lot to me. So... We were hanging out one day. We serve on a ministry team together, so we get to hang out once a month for like half an hour or so, counting some money and such. Yeah, so it's fun stuff. So yes, there was it is this fun. one time that we were talking, and I was just griping and complaining about these people in my life that were driving me up the wall, <laughs> and I was just like, how can they be this way? They're saying that they are Christians, like they're doing this and that. And I just, mm, you know, I was just getting all irritated and telling you all about it. And so I don't remember what you said before or after this, but I remember one sentence that you said, and you said, 
Well, praise God, it's not your job to judge them. <laughs> Mic drop. And I was just like, that is so true. But I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> no, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. But it was such good truth to like kind of catch me off guard and put me back in my place of like, Carrie, well, who are you? Like, are you the son of God walking the earth in a sinless life or something? Like, well, no. of course that's not what I meant. Of course and that's it what is. I was telling myself after you said that. So okay, and, but you know, you, you, but you've got to understand, uh, no, I have never heard Carrie speak the way she is saying that she spoke that day. But <laughs> we all have people in our lives that sometimes we just kind of want to, mm, pinch (laughs) talk about shake do something with but you know the everybody can get on your nerves at some different time in your life depending on how you're feeling maybe Mm -hmm. but I think we get to that point where we have to stop and think thank goodness I don't have to judge these people oh I don't have to fix them that's not my problem. That's God's problem. We don't need to be trying to take on his job. We just need to encourage him. Love him. Just love him. Pray for him. You can't pray for somebody and be really ugly to him. <laughs> you gotta, you got to love him on some level if you're going to be with praying. kindness. <laughs> That's right. I guess we could do that. <laughs> Good point, good point. (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm sure I said a lot more that day because you know me, I never say just one thing. But I'm glad you remembered one thing. (laughs) (laughs) You never know when you're talking to somebody, do you? I think that's a good point for all of us to remember. That, you know, just you never know how God's going to use you or your words. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why I, you know, everybody just, I'm sure everybody in the world's heard it, but every day I just, I have to pray, God, just take me where you want me to go. Have me meet the people you want me to meet. Give me words to say and keep me out of your way because I know I can get in his way and and say too much sometimes. As a matter of fact, the only time I have heard God speak out loud. I mean, it was so loud in my brain that I'm sure nobody else heard it, but it was so loud in my brain. Is when I was trying to explain to somebody why the way they were living was just not right and that that. God's word was where they needed to be, and I was just into it. And all of a sudden, I heard a voice so clearly say to me, back off. And and I did. I stopped in mid-sentence. I mean, it was that clear in my head. Back off. And I went over, and I hugged the person, and I said, you know what? I've always cared about you. And nothing will ever change that. I will always pray for you. And I will always care about you. End of story. And they thought I was crazy, of course. But, you know, (laughs) I did what I was supposed to do. I shut up. So 
I think sometimes we forget that God's just as protective of them as he is of us. Absolutely. And and he does have to protect people mm-hmm. from us in our zeal sometimes, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. because it's not the right time. Right. They're not ready. I have a question for you. Something I was thinking about, and I'm a Matt, when you were talking about owning your own dance studio, and something that I was thinking about was um, just imagining, how old were you when you opened your dance studio? Oh, I was old. You were I old. Was like, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I was, mm, okay, in 1979, how was I? <laughs> okay, do the, somebody do the math, Tracy. You can do it. Or no, Carrie, you're good at Carrie, number. Carrie Let's see. Uh, in 1979, okay, 33. Okay, I was 33. so you were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm. I'm I had imagining, a small child. Oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm imagining you're married. You mm-hmm. you have a family, mm-hmm. small child, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you said, and you have this thing that you love, which is dance. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times, especially as as women who we f- we have to keep all the the balls in the air, but we have this thing that we love and we want to do something with. That's kind of a bold move for you to kind of step out and become an entrepreneur, and and kind of follow your dream and opening a dance studio. Um, I'm just thinking that probably a lot of women don't feel like they can do that because well, I, I have a small child or mm-hmm. you know I have this and that. It's not mm-hmm. a good time. Speak to that, um, kind of go back to that place where you had this dream and desire and passion to start a dance studio, and you went for it. In the first place, it does have to be a dream and a passion. It really does. You have to want it so very, very much. Um, and, and certainly, life circumstances can cause you to go one way or the other with it. Um, and at the time, it 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 was a bow move financially to you know, so I had to get into this with very little money, which I did. But um, and and who knew whether it was gonna work out or not? But I had to try. I had to. Um, and I don't remember even feeling scared about it. It was just something I made a decision. To go far and just just did it uh, I think a lot of time and you know at that time in my life I didn't understand that I should have been on my knees praying about it before I did it I prayed along the way <laughs> it was like every decision every move going into it and going forward I did but not before like am I supposed to do this because I firmly believe that it's not like God has one thing for us mm-hmm. and and he doesn't even have one man for us to marry I, I, I really believe that because we all know love commitment is what marriage is it's it's that commitment and that obedience to God in the first place to do it the right way that makes it all work and and it's not like he's saying okay you've got to marry this man you've got to have this job 
you have got to raise your children, you've got to name them this and raise them like this. God honors our obedience in all areas of our lives. It all comes together. And to deny a dream, a passion that you have, and something that you have a talent for. And see, I didn't even know if I really had a talent for teaching. It was the dance part I loved, and I, I, I knew that, like I was, when I was in junior high, even teaching baton twirling, when I barely knew how myself. But everything I learned, I could teach somebody else. So I, I knew that I could do that and that I loved that. So, you know, so I think he, he honors us honoring our dreams and our passions and not living in a, I think he honors our happiness, our glass half full. I think he honors that. Do you agree with that, Tracy? I You're do nodding. agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I think about the parable in the Bible with the talents. And if you hide the talent, you know, the, the owner came back and said, what did you do with what I gave you? I don't ever want to be accused of not using something that God gave me, you know, and sometimes that ends up being in what I consider an utter failure. But in my failure, the mistakes that I learn can help somebody else not make those mistakes that are meant to succeed in that. You know, it's just yeah. being obedient. And like you said, following your heart. And things change. Your path changes. You change. Hopefully you're not the same person now that you were when you, you know, 20 years ago. That you've changed. Your life oh, changes. You yes. take on different roles. Yes. And you have to play different parts. And for each part and each phase of your life, God has a role for you to play. And there's a purpose for you to play that at that point in time. It's just listening, getting in the word, and knowing exactly where your part is. And God is faithful to tell you. Exactly. Or I know sometimes for me, previously, before I kind of was aware of this truth that you're talking about, when we talk about the will of God, it was being so anxious to know the right step, the mm. right next thing, and spend time worrying and stressing over getting it just right instead of just just stepping out. Exactly. I'm going to tell you, I saw a meme the other day that said God factored in your stupidity when he gave you your calling. <laughs> oh, amen. So, right? <laughs> amen. Do it. He's got you taken care of. And I think that people get so caught up in trying to figure out God's will of direction for their life. And a friend recommended a book to me called Just Do Something by <laughs> yes. Kevin DeYoung. Okay. And this That's book really changed my life because I had been so caught up in like, oh, should I make, take this leap of faith? Or is this not really a leap of faith, but a leap of selfishness? Or like, what right. What should I? Right. What I That's uh, because so, you analyze everything, Karen. I do. I'm you very do. analytical. I'm that so, way. I'm so, that way. I, yeah. so I was just like this, I get it. you know, thing that I'm considering could be a big risk, you know. Should I do it or should I not? Or should I bloom where I'm planted? Yeah. And like, you know, you hear, I, that phrase bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to bloom where I want to bloom. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure well, that there's, that's, where you're that's planted, a, you know. Yeah. But this book kind of walked through God's will. Okay, so there were three. There was God's will of direction, which is the one that people get so caught up on. Like, God, could you yes. send me a text saying if I can do this or not? Mm -hmm. Or like, and then God's will of desire, which is really like God's will for everybody as a Christian, like um, the passages that Paul writes about 
how to live a Christian life and right, things and like right. the like the morality side of things and um I I would have to go back to the book. And then there was another one, I think it was called God's Will of Decree. I'll have to go back and look. But it was more like um God is sovereign over all things. Um but he has this basic this is the gospel, this is how you should live. Beyond that, just do something. Okay. Just and that was something. so freeing to me. Oh, I, I can understand how it would be. And I, I think that's true. You know, I, I have always loved Nike's logo there. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Yes. And that's what I used to tell people all the time. They would come up to me in the grocery stores because I used to do all these exercise classes. And they would come up to me and, or, or I would pass by them and they're buying the donuts, you know, and, and, and they'd say, oh, uh, I'm, I'm – <laughs> <laughs> blubber, blubber, and I'd say, "Oh yeah, those are good donuts. I eat those." You know, and but they would ask me, "Well, what exercise do I need to do to uh, for a flat stomach? What exercise do I need to do for more endurance?" And, mm-hmm. and I'd say, "You know what? It really does not matter. Just do it, mm-hmm. because if you're going to sit around and have a committee meeting to decide what you're going to do mm-hmm. to start with." then you never get around to it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to think about it and think about it and think about it, you just never get around to it. But it's so much easier to just think about it. Make excuses about it. No, no, no. See, that raises my blood pressure. (laughs) That is is why I'm... I am the total opposite of Carrie, and maybe you even... Somebody who does analyze everything, nah. God's got this. You know, we're just going to jump in. We're going to do this. But it's interesting... Yeah, because when you, you know how I realize when I might be on to something, like as far as I pick a direction and go, mm-hmm. and then I start getting confirmation, mm-hmm. like, oh, this Absolutely. huge roadblock, what am I going to do about it? And then it just moves all and of a sudden. You are, and, and you're like, out. wait a second. Because, <laughs> because, yeah, because if it is the right path, then God's going before you to smooth it out and make things okay. And that's the key here. When it you talk is. about just do it, we're not talking about just doing it and living your life apart from being oh, in God's no, no, word, no. prayer. You have got to because be on if that you're path. walking with the Lord, yes, yes, you're in his word, you're you're listening to him and you're yeah. seeking direction mm-hmm. um, instead of waiting for this neon yellow flashing sign. Which would be nice. But, would be nice yeah. sometimes for sure. But, um, but you know, I go back to Jude. I was just brought this, um, this verse just came back to my mind in Jude 1. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Like we don't do it. He's the one that upholds us yeah, through right. whatever yeah. it is that we're stepping out to do. Yeah. Yes. Cause I it's d- for his glory. Right. Yeah. And you never know. If he told us what we were going to accomplish, we'd never do it. We'd be like, there's no way. And then we would sit been paralyzed, crazy. Oh, I can't totally. do that. I don't know how this is going to happen. Well, and you know, when I think back over my long life and thinking about the things that I have been faced with in my life that had I stopped to think about it, I would never have done it. Right. Then I know he made me the way I am for a reason. Now, I'm not going to say I have gotten in trouble a few times by just jumping in <laughs> and doing something and things just but those make great totally. stories. Oh, you know what? <laughs> they really did years later. <laughs> People who didn't really know me, I could tell it. But, yeah. Um, and so I think we're all the way we are for a reason. And then sometimes 
Carrie, do you ever have to, I think you do, I think you just told us while ago in your story that there are times that you have to not be analytical on purpose. You have to try Ooh. to, no, no, you have to try <laughs> to back away from it a little bit to make yourself do what you know you need to go ahead and do. Maybe not, I mean, quit thinking about it so much. Yes. Leave My husband is faith. always telling me like, Stop being so anxious. Like, what does the Bible yeah. say? Like, d- worrying does not uh, add a single hair to your head or a uh, day to your life. And I'm like, that's when you And that just makes you mad. Like, right. like, I know you, that, okay? That's when you take on that, that voice easy. of God in Jerry's head and say, back up. <laughs> back up. <laughs> Heather, are you real analytical too? Or are you more creative? Um, I, w- I would say I'm more creative. But when it comes to decision making no. in the past, I have spent a lot of time paralyzed with the not knowing um faith if the if i know this is a direction that the lord wants me to go yeah. like let's do but it how all do day you know i mean see because even if you go ahead and do that because you think hey th- this is what god's telling me to do what if you get into it and you start getting confirmation that it is not mm-hmm. the right way so mm-hmm. so it's not like we can ever know for sure but the things that we can know absolute certainty is that God loves us and God did not send his son to die on the cross for us to be anxious and in knots all the time and be questioning ourselves. There's no time for that. Yeah. Yeah. He He came to give us freedom and I for one revel in that freedom i love that freedom so what would you say to the woman listening who's feels like there's this desire they feel like there's this passion this thing that is in them to do but they're not where you were and maybe their personality is not they're more carrie than they are miss jerry no <laughs> oh, that's good that's good what do you say to me miss jerry <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, get up and do it. <laughs> no, I, I, I know what you're saying. And, and to me, okay, this is going to sound a little crazy, but if your ducks are in a row, got to have your ducks in a row. By that, I mean, are you loving the Lord with all your heart? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you, um, you know, he, he says he will give you the desires of your heart. But first, you've got to love him with all of your heart. And are you doing the things that he's already told you to be doing? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So are you, are you living in obedience? Are you, right. um, are, you, are you doing those things that you know you're supposed to be doing? Are you part of corporate worship? Are you um, talking with others about your love mm-hmm. for the Lord and what he's done for you. Are you are you tithing? Are you part of serving? Are you are you serving your fellow man are you, in some way? Um all of those things and and I don't mean you got to go down a list and check those off. No, because we all know we we're all so imperfect forever and ever, mm-hmm. but we definitely were when he found us and brought us to him. So uh, I'm not saying that, but if if you are living in that way, then whatever we do, whatever direction we go, even if it's the wrong direction, we're going to learn a lesson, right? and he's going to be holding on to us, so it's okay. Right. 
you know, I, in talking with with people, um, so many times, you know, we get caught up and so just paralyzed by the drama of what's going on in our lives, all the little stuff. And I just want to say so badly and have said, mm, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't need to know all that. It does not matter. Nothing matters. And you've heard me say this before too, every one of you, that the day Jesus died on the cross, it was over. That's right. And that, and the fact that you believe that with all of your heart, he died on the cross for you. Then that that's it. Right. That's all that matters. If you are living like you believe that, because I'm telling you, you know, when he they nailed him to that cross instead of me, then I won't ever ever get past that. I won't ever get over that. I don't want to. So if you're living in that, mm-hmm. then. My goodness, if you want to take that job or if you want to go out with that guy or if you want to, whatever you do, God's going before you to smooth the way. He's at your back to hold you up. He's there, and you are not going to go in the wrong direction. You're not going to step off that path because he's holding you. End of soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) Number 32. (laughs) The name of this podcast is the 517 Life Podcast, and and we like to talk about old made new. And so one of the questions that we thought we'd ask you before we let you go today is, what's something new that you're loving? Because (laughs) Tracy and I have a new something that we're both loving, and I actually, she she actually told me about it, so I'll let you talk about what it is. It was only because I burned my hair with my straightener, and my hairdresser's like, you are on straightener restriction. (gasps) So she told me about this. How embarrassing. (laughs) You know, I burned a big hunk out of it. I'm 46 years old, (laughs) and I burned a big chunk of my hair out of the top of my head. So she told me about this Revlon hair dryer and like a blowout in one. It is so you dry your hair and blow it out amazing. at the same time. And wow. I've got super thick, super coarse hair. It is the best Don't invention rub it in. ever. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I do my hair in twenty minutes. Yes, it's fantastic. It is changing. So my that life. is my favorite. That thing. is your favorite <laughs> new yes. thing. It's so great. Amazon. It's so great. It's wonderful. I love and, that. and you were the Tracy. You were the second person to tell me about this. The second person whose hair I had complimented. And both, you both said, oh, it's this thing. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, yeah. I guess I'm getting it. So do, <laughs> do you it. have yours yet? Yes. <gasps> it has changed my life. And it is yeah. Revlon. My whole getting, yeah. well, yes. It's a Revlon. I don't, Which, I don't know why I'm asking this because it literally, t- my hair is so thin that it only takes five minutes to dry without anything. <laughs> but so what no, is something I, new that you're loving? I think something new that is developing it's my relationship with my granddaughter, who is now 25 years old. And, of course, I still want to think of her as that precious little four-year-old who batted my hands away from my blouse as I was buttoning it one day and said, Nana, I'll do that for you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, those precious memories. But we've always had a long-distance relationship 
got to see her twice a year, such a blessing uh, to spend time alone with her. I would always have time to spend with my daughter and her husband, and then two or three days alone with my granddaughter. And uh, while they went to a conference, and that happened twice a year for 18 years. So it was just, it was wonderful. But at this point in time, I am, I've had to learn, I'm still learning to let go of the, even the slightest idea that she's going to be like me, that she's going to think like me. Because she isn't, and she doesn't, and she ain't going to. So, but I have learned so much from her, from from being involved in her life to the point that that she allows, and I don't mean really allow, but that she has time for. Oh my goodness, you know, so so busy, but she's so smart. All these kids are at that age. It's, it's amazing to me. They aren't all. No. Well, <laughs> no, not all. Well, but I mean, and she, you know, we're so blessed. She certainly is, and 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 is such a. She's a very serious young lady, and talk about analytical, t- uh, Carrie, and and uh, thinking things through. Oh my goodness! There have been times. Uh, there were times at growing up that. We'd be riding somewhere, which was one of our best places to have these great conversations, you know. And um, I would ask her a question or, or, yeah, mostly ask question. And she would say, I mean, she wouldn't say anything. And so finally one day I said, Precious, which has always been my nickname for her. Precious, when Nana asks you a question, I, I expect an answer of some kind. And she said, but Nana, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, well, see, that's foreign to me. I don't think about it. I give you an answer. <laughs> Whatever comes out, it is the honest truth, and that's it. You know, we're just moving on. But, and I thought, wow. And I said, okay, so if I ask you, because she didn't always have that pause, long pause in there. So I said, well, you know, if I ask you a question and you need time to think about it, raise your hand. And that way I'll know that that's what you're doing. And she said, okay. So she still, to this day, will do that. Got to think about it, Nana. <laughs> you know, so, but the new thing is learning really to, to uh, respect her as a young adult, and to respect the fact that, yes, she is her own person, and I want her to be. That's how she was raised, to be her own person. And I know that she, every single issue before her, she's going to give it a lot of thought. So if I feel like she's maybe going in the wrong direction on some issue or something she's thinking about, All I have to do is say, do your homework. Mm -hmm. Do your research before you make a decision on that. Because I know she'll do it ten times more than I would. Mm -hmm. And, you know, (laughs) and she doesn't always come down on the side of what I 
want her to, but I know it's right for her because she has given it so much thought. So you're saying it's not always bad to be analytical. Oh, no. No, it's not. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, she pointed something out to me one day that that just really talk about learning from your child or your grandchildren or whatever, and you do, if you're open to that. She said to me, um, because we've talked about for years, she is an extreme introvert. I'm an extreme extrovert. We're on two totally hanging off the ends of the pole here. So when she went to, um, she left West Palm Beach, Florida, and went to Boston, Massachusetts, to university, and she was in an orientation uh, class period, whatever, and all these new students there, and they were told, okay, we're going to divide you in groups of six, which is a very small group with all these people, but, and and you're going to go in here, and you're going to get to know each other for an hour. Fear yeah. in her heart from this. I got to talk to these people? I don't know these people. I, what are we going to talk about? She said to me, Nana, extroverts have their place in the world, <laughs> which I was so glad to hear. But she said, you know, if there had not been some extroverts in that room, we would still be sitting there. <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay. So she understands that, yes, although she did tell me, you know, they write books about introverts mm-hmm. so we can understand them, and I've read the books Mm-hmm. But they don't write books about extroverts mm. because we tell you everything you need to know about it. So she did have to point that out to me. So yes, just just learning uh, her as an adult and learning to respect that. Uh, no, I don't want her to. You know, it. I think it'd be kind of fun if she were like me, but <laughs> I don't really want her to be. Yeah. I want her to be, and I want to get to know that person yeah. you know, along the way. So that's something new and really, really great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to talk with you. This is so fun. <laughs> I mean, three of my favorite people. How could it not be fun? Lots of fun. <laughs> thank so. you, Miss Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. I love you all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the 517 Life Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard today from Jerry. And we want to encourage you that if there's something you feel like God is putting on your heart for you to do, don't wait for a flashing neon sign before you walk towards it. Take a step of obedience today toward whatever God is calling you to do. We look forward to sharing the next episode with you. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at 517lifepodcast. Share this podcast with a friend and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a minute of life.